Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. My name is Sarah. And I'm Bree. And joining us today, we have special guest, author Jill Chalvis. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. We are absolutely honored that you're here with us. So when we're recording this, it's still 2021, but we're releasing <laughs> this right before your new release in the new year. So, I mean, this is kind of historical at this point, but tell us how 2021 is going for you. Well, first of all, thanks for having me again. And is it really still 2021? It's kind of hard to believe at this point. Yeah. <laughs> what is time? <laughs> Let's move on. Let's all just move on. Yeah. I mean, it's been a year. I think it's been a year for everyone. So um, I'm sure no one is surprised to know it was just as tough for me as it was for anyone out there. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, you know, there's a lot of people living in my house, a lot of animals and little babies. So it's been a challenge. But um, I think I think we're all still alive, so we're doing good. The Family You Make is your next book in the fabulous Wildstone series, which we love and are so excited to have another book in. Can you share with us what the book is about? Yes, actually, this is the first in a new series. It's um, not Wildstone. It's Sunrise Cove, oh, which wow. I set in Lake Tahoe, where I live. And people have been asking me for years, why aren't you writing where you live? And the answer is always, well, I don't know. That's such a good idea. Why haven't I thought of that? <laughs> so I haven't closed the Wildstone series, but for right now, I'm going to write a couple books in Sunrise Cove and see how it feels. So I may go back and forth for a while. But yes, The Family That You Make is the first in that series. It comes out in January. And like the Wildstone, the Wildstone series, all these books will be standalones. So you can read them in any order, however you feel fit. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one is a winter book, which is new for me. And I really wanted to write Tahoe in the winter. So that was exciting. We're always talking about how we don't see a lot of like winter that's not Christmas themed mm-hmm. books. So. <laughs> yes. And I love Christmas and I love Christmas books. I've certainly written a bazillion of them. But this <laughs> one, this one is post um, post the holidays. I think it's uh, it's January, February-ish for the storyline. And it's the blizzard of a century. And so I had a lot of fun with that. It was good times. Lots of fun to write, write that what I really know. <laughs> you were drawing from personal experience. Following following your Instagram, you get a ridiculous amount of snow where we you do. live. <laughs> we really do. And, um, you know, it's just there's something unique about Tahoe because we do get a lot of snow, but it's not always cold. The snow will blow in, you'll get like, you know, 10 feet, and then it'll blow out and you'll have warm, sunny blue skies until the next storm comes along. And I think that's really unique. So we don't mm-hmm. really get tired of winter here. So is this new series, is it going to, because with Wildstone, it felt very different from like Lucky Harbor and Sunshine, mm-hmm. Idaho, where we had Animal Magnetism and Heartbreaker Bay, where every book it wasn't connected, you know, like when we're reading Heartbreaker Bay, we're looking for those, you know, characters that we read in the first three books. And are they going to show up in the last three? But with Wildstone, you didn't really have that, which was just a really cool spin on like a small town series. Yeah, it was set. It was connected by the setting mm-hmm. for Wildstone. And I did that because for some time I'd been getting feedback from readers that while they love the series and I'm one of those people that love, love, love the series. I love to read for the next character. People also wanted to know that they could read in any order or start with any book. Mm-hmm. When, when I started Wildstone and I got to say book five and I was bringing, I was going to events and meeting new readers and they wanted to start with book five and they didn't want to have to go back to book one. So 
that is where wild the idea for wildstone came about like i wrote eight books in that series set by this setting which is mid california coast and one of my favorite places in the world other than where i live which is in northern california because you have the beach you have the green rolling hills dotted with oaks you have the ranches and the wineries and the hidden lakes and there was just so much to play with with that area so I was able to set each book in its own, you know, like Lost Rainy Day Friends, for example, is set at a small family winery in the hills. And then the summer, the summer deal is set on the actual beach. And so to me, even though it was all Wildstone, it was so able to be so wildly different that I didn't get bored. Mm-hmm. And that was a lot of fun. I did miss connecting by characters, and I probably will eventually go back to doing that. But for now, the Sunrise Cove. I feel like there's so much to explore here in Tahoe that I could also do the same thing I did in Wildstone, which Yay. is a series connected by setting and you mm-hmm. can read it in any order. Okay. Um, okay. Oh, that's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad because, you know, you're one way or the other. You're either disappointed that the characters aren't continuing on or you're happy that you don't have to read in any specific order. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't realize that I could be a fan of either or until I got into Wildstone and I was like, oh, this isn't exact. This isn't like Heartbreaker Bay. Like we're not following the same characters, but I'm still in this town that you grow to love. So that is- I'm so glad. And the thing about Heartbreaker Bay, I loved so much and it was more romance um, centric. Each story told, each book told the story of one of these group of friends. You know, there was like six to eight friends and everyone had their own book and their own story, but yet they were all appearing in each other's stories. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain comfort in that. It's kind of like mac and cheese, you know. But with Wildstone, I was writing bigger books, not just romance, but telling sometimes bromances or sister stories or family stories, as well as the romance. And often I put two romances in. And so the books were a lot longer and bigger. And I felt like each book had its own contained cast of thousands. So hopefully I was giving everybody that little sense of community that the series of Heartbreaker Bay gave mm-hmm. with each book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you'd connected characters, it would have been too much. Too big. Too many exactly. people. Exactly. So like, for instance, with the family you make, there's two very full, very um, deeply told romances, as well as a bromance and a sisterhood, you know, so you're getting a whole series in one book, hopefully. If I did it right, you let me know. <laughs> <laughs> You can do no wrong, okay? Yeah, pretty much. We may pretty be a little much. biased. <laughs> this is why I keep coming back. Thank you. Is right? <laughs> so, I mean, you're you're in this, I don't know, like transit, we're transitioning into a new series. Do you feel like, you know, I'm done with these other stories? Absolutely not. <laughs> I can't. I can't leave them behind because, I mean, Wildstone is a real place in my heart. It's one of my favorite places in the world. I will always go back to Wildstone. I intend to go back to Heartbreaker Bay. I always intended to go back to the Animal Magnetism series. And if you're a longtime reader of mine, you know that I brought, I had one character that never got written in the Animal Magnetism series. It was Kel, the sheriff, the small town sheriff. And I brought Mm -hmm. him over to Heartbreaker Bay and gave him his own book. So it's not like um, I'm not still thinking about these characters and revisiting them. Mm-hmm. Um, Cedar Ridge is another series that I wrote only yeah. three books in that intended to be six to eight mm-hmm. books. And my publisher and I have talked about this several times. I will go back and finish that series as well. 
Really? Yeah, I just can't, you know, once you create the world, I just, I don't close the series up. I just can't. Like you don't want to leave it hanging. (laughs) I don't. I don't want to leave it hanging. It's as enjoyable for you as for the rest of us. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, hopefully there's something for everyone, you know, with all the different series and the different settings. Mm -hmm. Hopefully you can find what pleases you. Mm -hmm. Do you already have Sunrise Cove? Am I saying it right? Is it Yes. Do you already have it kind of mapped out? Or when you start a new series, what does that look like for you? It's agonizing. It's so agonizing for me because (laughs) I have to have a roadmap. I really am one that outlines my books ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And so I have, with Sunrise Cove, I am now writing actually the third book in that series. So The Family You Make is the first one. Mm -hmm. And then after that will come The Friendship Pack. And I'm putting the finishing touches on that while planning the one after, which doesn't have a title yet, so I can't share it. But um, The Friendship Pack is number two, and it's so fresh in my head. It's still one of my favorite books. I usually say the book I've just finished is my favorite because I've just finished it, you know, so I don't have to still write it. So that makes it my favorite. <laughs> so done. I have at least two or three more in my head, which makes five stories total. And then we'll see. Wow. Do you name your, do you come up with the titles? I often do. Um, a lot of the times it's actually a collaboration between me and my editor. We go back and forth. We throw words around like I like this word like with the friendship pact we agonized over this for a while we had some fancy titles going back and forth but I it just didn't do it for me and then we had the word friendship we knew we wanted friendship in the title and then I was I was working on second draft and uh you'll see but event the characters end up making some packs with each other mm-hmm. and so the friendship pact just came so naturally and it just worked for both of us but sometimes it's a give and take I mean because some of my like all-time favorite titles <laughs> Are your titles. I mean, Almost Just Friends is still, like, I just think that is a brilliant title for a book. (laughs) That was one of my favorites, too, actually, to write as well as title. Because that was the first time I was allowed to write a secondary romance that wasn't just Mm male-female. And um, and that meant a lot to me. You know, I um, my middle daughter got married last year to her wife. And a few years ago, it struck me, you know, she said something about how she never gets to see herself in romances. And that just really stuck with me. I, I mean, that must have been 10 years ago now that she said that, because I have done several kind of vague storylines. Mm-hmm. But this one, I was able to just do as I wanted. And I actually didn't tell my editor about it ahead of time. I just did it. And, um, and luckily, it got she loved it and it got to stick. So I was very proud of that. So so I'm so almost just friends just was a book that will always stick with me for that. The other title I loved was Lost and Found Sisters, which yes. was the first one in the Wildstone series because we were going back and forth about that because it's kind of a it's almost a spoiler, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. I got to keep it so that worked yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> so what is it about like because there is a definite difference between um, like I've been a reader of yours forever and I mean like the Heartbreaker Bay, Lucky Harbor, they're clearly contemporary. Whereas the Wildstone series um, tends to be more of I almost want to call it a women's fiction sort of, but it's you know a hybrid, you, isn't it? It's it kind really of a rom com yeah. romance women's fiction hybrid. Yeah, and there's not and really a place for it, which you can see because if you go into the store, it, you can always figure out where I'm shelved. Yeah. Because no, one knows, <laughs> no one knows what to categorize me as that right now. <laughs> but the romances are always going to be there. A happy ending is always going to be there. 
Yeah, so it definitely has your flavor to it for sure. Yeah, you like you've created your own lane. It's like rom com women's fiction. Yeah, well, rom com I mean, women's fiction. I just would, you know, if more people would find me, then maybe we could come up with a term for it. But for right now, <laughs> it's everything. It's a little splash of everything. <laughs> So is that the flavor of Sunrise Cove? Is yeah. it going to be the yes, same? Yes, nothing has changed. It's still, um, if you like my books, you're going to, the tone is the same. It's still humor and family and sense of community with friends, whether it's the family you make or the family you're born into. Mm-hmm. Um, a good old-fashioned, sexy, funny romance, for sure. Probably two of them. There's <laughs> definitely two in the family you make. <laughs> and um so nothing about that has changed. The books are maybe a little longer and you get more for your book, but that's that's the only thing that's different. Awesome. Okay. Fantastic. Well, we have our podcast and we celebrate all things category romance, past, present, future. And we have from day one, we're like, we know Jill Chavez no longer writes category, but she's an OG whose voice we feel like we have to have on the podcast. Oh, gee, because um, I've been writing since the ice age. <laughs> so you published seven titles with Love Swept before the yes. line closed. The what first was your love journey? Not even the second love swept. Um, my journey from then to now or getting to there. Yeah, getting published. What was it like? Um, it was, I have always been a huge reader from way, way back. And not just romance. I would read everything. I, I mean, I'll read the back of a cereal box. We've talked about this before. My my love of reading is wide and varied, and I'm not all that picky. But I was a journalism major, not um, not like a creative writing person. And I would go to class, and we'd be given those assignments to write, you know, true crime or true whatever is happening in the world. And I would embellish the stories, and I kept failing. And I. I would ask my professor, what am I doing wrong? He goes, well, you're lying. <laughs> you see, <laughs> yeah. so I'm like, oh, I meant to write fiction, not nonfiction. <laughs> it took me a while, but I figured it out. And so I, by this time, had found romance and loved it. But I also love suspense and I love thrillers. And I wrote what I thought was a romantic, was a suspense. Mm-hmm. And I sent it off to a bunch of publishers. And Love Swept was the only one that was interested. And they said, we really like this, but we need you to add romance. And then we're going to sell it as a romantic suspense. And I'm like, romance, huh? That's different. Like, I thought this was a self-contained kind of suspense novel, but I did it and I was hooked. Mm -hmm. So I was lucky enough to find an editor that was really able to help me find my niche, my genre. And I ended up staying there till that line closed down. And then I got switched over to Harlequin back in the day when they were doing all those delicious lines they used to do, Mm -hmm. the intimate moments and temptation and all those. And I really got to cut my teeth on intimate moments with suspense. Temptation was sexy. I did the the comedy line, which I Mm -hmm. loved. And I really kind of like, it was my bread and butter where I honed my skill. It was the best training ground I could have asked for because I didn't know what I was doing, frankly. (laughs) I really didn't. It was just kind of like, oh, this sounds good. Send it off. And then they would say, okay, well, let's like have a goal. Let's like have a dark moment. (laughs) And I really learned how to write there. Because there really is a blueprint for them at the end of the day. There is. And in category romance, it was genre and it was formula formula you know boy meets mm-hmm. girl boy loses girl boy gets girl back and I loved it it was awesome I mm-hmm. really really found my love for romance there 
So what are your takeaways from writing for those lines? Like what are some of the things that you've carried with you since then? Well, how to make every word count for one thing, because back Mm -hmm. then you had a word count and it was painful and it was hard to keep that. So Mm -hmm. I think I learned how to write short and concise and tight, but I think everyone has their own unique path and that just happened to be mine. Mm -hmm. Um, It's really interesting. You can talk to a hundred different writers and we'll all have a hundred different paths, but I am grateful for mine. Yeah. I just love seeing, I mean, I know I came to you with Heartbreaker Bay. I binged Lucky Harbor in January of this year, (laughs) you know, reading what, and so like to see these, like to see you like have copies of duets with your name on them. I'm like, Oh, this is when she started, you know, kind oh, of. way back when some of those are embarrassing. And I, and I used to be like, Oh, please don't ever buy those old ones. But now, you know, with the dubious honor of age, I think right. that there's something to be learned by, by forging your own path. And there's nothing wrong with learning, learning your craft as you go. And I definitely did that. Yeah. And definitely. I've learned a lot since those days. And I'm the opposite of Brie, whereas I started reading you with Harlequin and with Temptation oh, and stuff like that. I've been reading you for so long. <laughs> Since Eight I was an infant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we started and, when we too. And then when I saw your uh, single title, I'm like, oh, she writes other things. And I remember getting so excited. And I'm like, <laughs> there's more I can read. But you can definitely see, and, and it's no shade on anything but definitely how you've grown as a writer. And it's absolutely amazing to see. Oh, thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's a, you know, there's a huge difference between what I'm doing now and what I did then, and mm-hmm. both have their value. There's mm-hmm. a reader for every, every different line. Absolutely. What did the world of romance publishing look like when you came into it? Oh, so, well, you know, we've been doing this, like I said, since the Ice Age, and I started when I was like 12. So let's just go with that. Okay. <laughs> back in the day, back before there was digital <laughs> books, in fact, Mm-hmm. You know, so I would write and print and have to mail off this huge tomb to my publisher and hope they got it. And in return, they would like have to do copy edits on the page and mail it back to me and hope I got it. Like, you know, there was no real backup or anything like that. It was fascinating now. If you think about it now, my, my kids probably couldn't even relate if I was telling them the story. <laughs> so I've seen everything, you know, this whole surge from print to digital kind of back to print a little bit now I think but also more than that even better than that is the diversity that has come into writing romances and the romances that are published now you can read about any kind of love it's Mm -hmm. just amazing Mm -hmm. and I'm really glad to be a part of it so we would love to hear you share anything you're comfortable with sharing about your writing process. Is there a certain time of day you prefer to write, favorite location, anything like that? Well, I start in the early morning because for when I'm a creature of habit, I used to have to start early before my kids woke up to get any time alone at all if I was <laughs> going to have a hope of having even 10 minutes straight. And I still do that. I still wake up early. I finish early if possible and then go go have um, fun or life. You know, this, you can drown, you can... I set a goal for myself. You have to write this many words. Mm -hmm. And once you do that, you can go do something, whatever you want to do. But sometimes I can finish by noon, but sometimes I'm still at bedtime struggling to get the words. So it's for me, it's about setting the goals. I'm ADHD. I'm unmedicated. So if I don't set a goal, the book isn't going to happen. It just Mm -hmm. isn't going to happen. So I get up really, really early so that I can do my words and then still go 
you know, paddleboard or go to sit on the river, whatever I want to do, play with, play with my grandkids, anything. (laughs) Because if I don't do that, I'll do all those fun things first and I won't write. So my, my routine is very, very set. Mm -hmm. It has to be. (laughs) I mean, you have a gorgeous backdrop to write. I I, I can see you easily getting distracted. (laughs) Hugely, hugely distracted at all times, whether it's winter or summer. So Mm -hmm. that's the only way I get by is Mm -hmm. by setting a very strict, (laughs) very strict (laughs) schedule. Do you do like a word count? Yeah, yeah, I do word count. And this is why I used to do page count. And then I would cheat. I would get down to (laughs) like, if I told myself, Oh, you have to write 12 pages today, I would get to like page nine, and I would just start hitting return, return, return. (laughs) Or at the end of a chapter, I would return, return, return. So there's a whole extra page. And so you know, Mm -hmm. I had to give that up. That was painful. (laughs) So now I reward myself, hey, if you do 400 words, you can check your email. Mm -hmm. If you do 400 more, you can go have two cookies, you know, so (laughs) it's all about the reward for me. Well, I have another question that I didn't send to you. So my apologies, but I have to ask you this. <laughs> yeah. Your one thing that I, th- I think Sarah and I both love so much is just is the humor itself that's in your books. It's yes. like if you took the cover off and we had no idea it was one of your books, I think as we got into the story, we'd be like, oh, this is a Jill Shalvis. Yeah. <laughs> so can you, I mean, that's how a huge did compliment. You, Thank you. Yes. How did you hone, like, I don't, I, writing comedy seems so intimidating yeah. and yours is never overdone. It never like overshadows the story. It It's always on time and in the perfect place. Right. So how did that you kind of hone that? You know, it's because I don't think about the funny when I'm writing. I just write how I would speak or how I would act. I mean, it's a natural thing for me to find the funny and the inane and the stupid and just the everyday little boring details. Sometimes I find the funny in just, you know, putting your shoes on the wrong foot by accident. Um, yes. You know, just anything can be funny to me. And so I think when I'm writing, it kind of just comes to me. So also, one tr- the only trick I really have is when I have a rough draft, I go back and I reread it out, the dialogue out loud. Mm-hmm. And if I don't crack myself up, then I know I missed. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think I'm funny and I'm not. <laughs> and, I, and, and, and so I have to, I have to, you know, it can come down to even just fixing a tense of a word in a sentence. You can, you can mess something up by just rewording something having it worded wrong so if I read it out loud to myself I can hear it or I don't hear it and then that then I can fix I can fix a broken page but I can't fix a blank page I think Nora Roberts said that and it really stuck with me because she's right but when we first moved here I lived in LA I grew I was born in New York I grew up in LA and I it was anonymous everywhere you never found you never ran into someone you knew that it was a huge big city when we came here and I was just starting my writing career a small town. And like, I would go to the grocery store and the gynecologist would be in aisle one and the dentist would be in aisle two. <laughs> and, you know, things like that, that was funny to me because that had never happened to me before. Small town living, the cliches are real. Yeah. And it was fascinating to me. And because I almost always write either small town or a community within a big town that makes it feel like a small town. I was really able to capitalize on the humor mm-hmm. because yeah. to me, it was all new and it was very funny. I love how you said that because that could be 
just hilarious. Like there's a dentist in aisle one and I totally yeah. just canceled my appointment and he's probably giving exactly. me the side eye. <laughs> exactly. Or, you know, you go pick up your kids from school. You've been riding all day. So you're still in your pajamas. Mm-hmm. You forget to change your slippers out, right, for shoes. And then for some reason you have to get out of the car and go get your kid. Like, yes. That's kind of stuff is <laughs> you know, and so I was just able to cap- to capitalize on this new humor. So it kind of just fit. Mm-hmm. Is there any book in particular or something seen that you remember that you really personally particularly found funny or just the small town stuff in general? It's in general. And I mean, mm-hmm. every book I could probably think of something that I thought was funny. And mm-hmm. the book in um, The Family You Make, the one that's coming out next, um, I greatly amused myself with the opening. I, I don't <laughs> think it's a spoiler to tell you that the two main characters in scene one think they're about to die. And they don't. So I don't think that's a spoiler because it's a whole book, right? Yeah, make right, it a very short book. <laughs> but right, I mean, they really genuinely think they're going to die. They're stuck in a gondola in a surprise blizzard. Mm-hmm. And the gondola in front of them, which is empty, goes down. So they think they're next. And they know they're going to die. It's like a 100 plus, it's like a 500 foot fall. Mm-hmm. So, but they don't know this. So they think they're going to die. And right before they realize that they're not going to die. They, When they think they're toast, the hero calls his mom to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. Only he can't do it to her because he just, you know, he loves her. So he tells her he met the woman of his dreams, which is her goal for him. That's all she's ever wanted for him. So he tells her, I've met the woman of my dreams and I'll bring her home someday. And then he doesn't die and he has to produce this woman of his dreams. Oh my gosh. So to me, <laughs> so to me that was... I mean, I cackled all through the book over this dilemma that he had, that he did out of love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he lied out of love. Is lying for the right reasons still wrong? Yes. But <laughs> so now he has to work. He has to, so I, I had a good time with that one. And so, that um, is a classic Jill Shalvis moment. That right? is what I love about, because you really, I think in books, introduce me to like situational humor. And I yes. love situational humor. <laughs> Because and, of so, your and that's another trick. You ask me what makes things funny. I mean, sometimes something's very serious. Like these people really think they've bought their last ticket mm-hmm. and they're going down. And and yet then I was I tried to find the funniest thing that could happen in that situation. And, you know, so that's how we ended up with that setup. I think that you can find the funny even if you think you're going to die. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you have well over 100 titles published at this point, which is amazing. What have you learned about yourself as a writer as your career continues? It's funny. It doesn't get any easier. People ask me that. And somehow it actually feels harder. And every time I finish a book and I know I have to start a new one, I wonder how in the world am I ever going to pull this off? Like, I really believe that I've done my best. That's it. That's all I've got. That's all she wrote, folks. And somehow I managed, you know, I mean, granted, there's a mortgage to pay and there's people to feed so that, you know, and this is a job, but it's still hard to imagine doing it all over again. You've just poured your heart out into a book. So I think, I think that I've, what I've learned about myself as a writer is that I can, I still got it. I can still write a book. Now, whether people are going to want to read it or not, that's a whole nother story. Mm -hmm. But even though I think I can't, I can't. And do you find like, it's an, it must be enjoyable. You, You know, you have to still be enjoying it, correct? I love it. I mean, I can't, I'm uniquely suited to do just nothing else. I can't think of anything else that I could do. (laughs) I mean, I'm not that good at 
customer service. I just don't like people that much. <laughs> I don't want to work. I mean, I always joke I could go work at Target or Taco Bell. I love those two places. But the truth is I couldn't because I'm not I'm not a people person. I'm a I'm a lone wolf and I'm an introvert. So <laughs> you're uh, what a else writer. am I gonna do? <laughs> Exactly. exactly. You'd be working at Target making like people watching for story ideas. Yeah. You know? and I do that anyway. I, I do that. I people watch. I don't I often sit back and I'm just happy to listen or watch. Yeah. So let's hope this gig doesn't dry up anytime soon. <laughs> I don't think so. I, I don't I think I think you're good. <laughs> if you need a break, we understand, but I mean oh, selfishly please, yes. we expect a new release, just say. Yeah. <laughs> Please. I, I got you covered. I got, I'm, I'm good. No pressure. <laughs> so let's get into some roundout questions. Okay. So other than books, what was one of your obsessions as a teen girl? Oh, well, books is my number one. So mm -hmm. I don't know what to mm -hmm. say. Um, I was a wallflower. Books are really all I had. Although I did enjoy, I used they used to pay me to do, like the football players would pay me to do their homework because I was that nerd, you know. <laughs> so I really can't even, I mean, I mean, maybe Donnie Osmond. I can't think of anything else. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> That's a fine obsession right there. <laughs> what is one film you will never stop watching? You know, I'm more of a TV girl. I'm like old comfort watches are, you know, my thing, like Friends and How I Met Your Mother and Sex in the City and anything reality. I, I love all the reality shows. I love trash TV. Let's just be honest. <laughs> um, and for some reason, TV, um, marathoning TV is far, does it far, for me, far more for me than any old mm -hmm. movies. But there's plenty of movies I love. Right now I'm rewatching The Holiday. That's a, ho that's a favorite of mine. Mm -hmm. The, um, because it's the Christmas season's coming up. Mm -hmm. But mostly it's TV. Okay. Mm -hmm. I love that you love trash TV. <laughs> oh, I I adore trash TV. My, my people don't understand it, but it's true. <laughs> well, as you said, you're a people watcher. It's the ultimate form. It is. Right? It of is. getting to watch. And I can imagine yes. the story ideas you must get. <laughs> oh, I stop. I push pause and write down people's backstories. It's just <laughs> fascinating to me. All yep. of it's fascinating to me. Yeah. <laughs> what is one hill you will wholeheartedly die on? Oh, that romance novels make the world go round. <laughs> we agree. We agree. We're with you on that hill. <laughs> what is one of the toughest pieces of advice you've ever received? Toughest, I think, was you can want it. You, whatever it is that you want, you can want it. But unless you're willing to do the work, it isn't going to happen. And um, that was a lesson, a hard-earned in the early days, I would write a story and think, oh, it's done. And I'd send it off. And it took me um, learning from really good editors that you need a second, third, fourth, even fifth drafts of things. Nothing is right the first time. And if you don't care, then sure, put it out. But if you want it and you want a long career at this, you better make it right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and work hard. So knowing that when you, even now, after all this time, when you're working on the first draft, do you are you consciously telling yourself like if this is the first draft, there's probably going to be four more before oh, it's, it's right? It's a given now. Yes, mm -hmm. I know. I know now. I mean, it's been years, and I'm still amazed that there's some writers who can do a first draft and it's perfect. My first drafts are so rough. Um, my I've instructed my husband if I'm to, if I die before a book before I've told you my book is done, don't dare give it to a soul because. It's, <laughs> It's not ready. It's not ready. If I didn't say it was ready, it's not ready. That means like I'm on my first or second draft. And, you know, um, 
the family you make, for instance, I think I wrote four full drafts, maybe five of that oh my book. Gosh. It just, you have to, I do it in layers. I've learned that's my process. The fast, mm-hmm. the first draft is basically kind of almost a heartless outline. It's just kind of blocked out. And then I go back in and I add the heart and the soul and the humor. And it takes, it takes me five months, six months to write a book. Mm-hmm. Wow. So on that on that question, are there any stories that you've only ever done the first draft, like did an entire first draft and just said, oh, forget it. And like the story went under the bed in a box? No, I'm too, I'm too OCD for that. I Fair don't enough. have any mattresses. I don't have any books under the mattress. <laughs> if I've started a story, that means I've outlined it ahead of time. And I know whether or not it's going to work. Okay. I've had plenty of stories that I tried to outline and couldn't and walked away from. Okay. But I've never started a book enough and not fixed it and made it right. Okay, because now nope. I feel like we now need like a collection normal. of essays that are like the stories that Jill <laughs> Shalvis walked away from. Yes. I have them. I have all of them. I have them in a file folder because someday I'll figure them out. And that has happened. Mm-hmm. In fact, in fact, the um, Rainy Day Friends was one of those examples um, where it was a story that I thought I could do. I tried to outline it. I put it away. And then like something like Four or five years later, when I had written Lost and Found Sisters and I had started the Wellstone series and I realized it was book two of that series and I went back and I was able to do it. So sometimes you just need distance. Right place at the right time. Yeah. 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 (laughs) So what is one piece of advice you would go back and give yourself at the beginning of your writing career? Do not get disheartened by all the no's because it only takes one yes. I could wallpaper my house with all the rejections I had back in the day. I could wallpaper every house in my little town, oh, no. <laughs> but it only took one. Yes. And then that one, yes, turned into a full career. So, so I guess it would say, I would say, if you're a writer trying to make it sit your butt in a chair and just keep writing and it will get better and you'll get better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm just astounded that you, Jill Shalvis, have enough rejections to wallpaper a small oh, believe town. It. Believe it. <laughs> but I'm so thankful that you kept going. <laughs> yes. I mean, this yes. is back in the day when self-publishing wasn't an option. Mm-hmm. Because who knows what would happen if that was the case. I might have put out a bunch of first draft books that didn't weren't worthy. And I might yeah. have been nowhere. So we know that we have our new book coming. Um, so after The Family You Make, can you? is there anything you can you can tell us about the next book that's coming out? Yeah, so I'm currently working on finishing the touches, final touches on the Friendship Pact. And I'm going to be so sad when that one's done. It's about what happens when you meet your person too soon and you blow okay. it. And then mm-hmm. by some miracle, you get a second chance way down the road. I love that premise so, so much. <laughs> yeah, so I'm excited about that one. And um, so that's the Friendship Pact. That's what I'm finishing up now. And lastly, where can everyone follow you online? Everywhere, basically. Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, my website, jillshalvis.com, Goodreads, BookBub, Amazon. I'm everywhere. <laughs> and I, I would love to have people come join me on Instagram. I put up a daily picture, mm-hmm. you know, my life of where, what I'm, my writing view, which could be a puppy. It could be my river, the right lake, you never know. I mean, I feel like your Instagram is gorgeous writer life slash travel vlogger, like inspiration. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It really is. With an occasional puppy thrown in there. Yes. (laughs) Or a critter from outside. I mean. Exactly. We've had a lot of critters this year. There were a lot of wildfires. So we've had a lot of critters, the poor things. We've had bears and coyotes and porcupines and raccoons and you name it. 
Wow. Well, thank you so much for doing this. It's always an honor to chat mm-hmm. with you. <laughs> we are yeah, so excited I, for the new series. Thank you. Well, let's do this again for the Friendship Pack. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Please, please come back so we can talk the Friendship Pack. I will. And I should have exciting news the next time I come that I can't quite share yet. But okay. Next okay. Time <laughs> We're going to hold you to it now. Oh, my gosh. I'm freaking out. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. Listeners, make sure you check the show notes. We'll have links to everywhere where you can keep up and follow the Queen Jill Chalvis. And Mm -hmm. you heard it here. We're going to persuade her to come back (laughs) so we can talk the next book. Um, Thanks for having me. And Sarah and I will chat with you all in our next episode. Have a lovely day, everybody. 